Welcome to the Property Voice Podcast, helping you to navigate safely through the world of property investing. Get the lowdown and updates, insights and outcomes on all matters property with a splash of entertainment along the way. The Property Voice, a voice to trust among the crowd. Now, let's get started with your host, Richard Brown. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown and as always, it's a pleasure to have you join me again on the show today. Now, as I mentioned last time out, I'm releasing a few soundbite episodes over the next few weeks as I'm currently traveling. I'm recording today's episode from Hanoi in Vietnam, in fact, so I hope I don't sound too out of it given that my body clock is yet to have fully acclimatized to the different time zone. And um, I'll resist the temptation to break out into a a Robin Williams Good Morning Vietnam tribute as well. You may be pleased to hear. (laughs) Needless to say, I have wanted to let off a little bit of steam about the recent changes to the buy-to-let landscape brought in by the current government. And today provides that opportunity as I have a bit of a rant about the so-called Alice in Wonderland tax grab or as it's uh, commonly known, Clause 24 of the Finance Act 2015, and also the 3% stamp duty surcharge for second property owners coming in from this April 2016. So let's get straight into the heart of the matter with our main topic in this abridged version of the show. Okay, so let's get on with this week's featured topic with Property Chatter. So last year we had, in July, the budget, the emerg- uh, I think it was an emergency budget following the, the, the election, and then we had the autumn statement that came in a few months later. And both of these things, both of these events, had a significant and indeed a negative impact on the buy-to-let sector, as I'm sure you've probably heard quite a lot about. But two of the main changes that came into being were a significant change to how mortgage interest relief will be allowed to be claimed going forward, and indeed a 3% stamp duty surcharge for people owning two or more uh, homes. That's if they buy another property, of course. Now, the mortgage interest relief gave rise to a petition which closed with nearly 61,000 signatures within its six-month open period. And to be perfectly honest, that's rather a pathetic adoption rate when you consider that there are at least 2 million buy-to-let landlords in this country. Perhaps we don't understand what is coming, Perhaps we're just apathetic, or perhaps we might even agree with the principle of changing part of uh, of, of how we're taxed on you know currently on profit to on revenue instead. Who knows? Needless to say, after ten thousand signatures, the government do promise to at least respond. Um, as an aside, we needed a hundred thousand signatures before we could get it debated in Parliament again, so we didn't quite make that figure. But here's what they, the government had to say in response to the uh, petition, obviously having got past the 10,000 signature mark. And I quote, The government is committed to a fair tax system, so is restricting relief on landlord property finance costs to the basic rate of tax, reducing the generosity for wealthier landlords. End of quote. And uh, you can indeed read the full response. I'll have a link in the show notes. But basically, if you go to the uh, government petitions website, and it's uh, petition number 104880. But as I mentioned, the links will be in the show notes, uh, saving you having to remember that and write it down. But a fair tax system, a fair tax system, eh? 
Well, homeowners get plenty uh, more tax benefits than buy-to-let investors, such as zero capital gains tax on any gains made or profits made on sale. And indeed, the £7,500 a year tax-free rental income on any uh, lodges they have stay with them as well. That's just for starters. Then if we compare individual buy-to-let landlords to those investing via company structure, we see that individuals get the restricted interest relief, but companies do not. How are these things fair? Or as the government likes to phrase it, levelling the playing field. It sounds like we're playing both halves uphill, to me at least. Finally, despite the government's attempt to defend this point by claiming it is coming in gradually over the next few years, this ignores the fact that the changes are still retrospective, as they penalise all existing properties that already have a mortgage on them, with many of us simply unable to you know, just pay down the mortgages or sell them on. That doesn't really sound very fair to me, I have to say. And we're being hit quite hard. Um, but what has our response to this been so far? Well, the petition effectively failed, sadly. However, a couple of individual investors, including the highly respected Steve Bolton, have sought to take on the government through the courts instead. In, sorry, instead. They are pressing for a judicial review, claiming that Clause 24, as it's called, breaches both human, uh, human rights and competition laws under European law. And it also seems that, the some, that somewhat ironically that Sherry Blair, wife of the former Labour Prime Minister, Tony Blair, is, is leading the legal challenge against this Conservative-led um, government. This, this has become known as the Alice in Wonderland tax, or Clause 24 of the Finance Act, uh, to 2015. Okay, so that's one major change. However, in addition to the changes to mortgage interest relief, another of the significant changes affecting landlords is the 3% surcharge on stamp duty coming in from April 2016. And this is effectively a tax on buy-to-let. And to be honest, the government don't seem too perturbed for us to think otherwise. It can, of course, create a hefty premium and upfront costs when entering into a new property investment deal. So do your numbers uh, and check it all stack, uh, still stacks up, stacks up that is. So with this change in stance from what many would previously have considered to be a landlord friendly political party before the last election, what can we do about this? In fact, does it throw into question the viability of buy to let for the average investor altogether? My response? Well maybe it does give rise to some serious concerns, particularly if we fail to uh, be flexible and adapt. But let's first consider who these changes will impact the most. Starting with Clause 24, this will affect landlords using buy-to-let mortgages the most. Those with higher loan-to-values will be most impacted. Whilst the government has been at pains to point out that only higher and highest rate taxpayers the apparently wealthier ones, will end up paying more tax, this simply isn't accurate. For example, even basic rate taxpayers could now be pushed into a higher tax bracket as a result of the changes because the interest relief has uh, been you know, taken off, off revenue instead of profit. So we could find ourselves being pushed into a higher tax bracket. And equally, those that require a mortgage to buy an investment property when compared to, say, cash buyers, and those indeed buying through a company, won't be affected at all. Which does raise the question of who is really being targeted here? 
Now, I believe the cottage industry of uh, smaller buy-to-let landlords is being targeted rather than the larger corporate entities. And the reasons are a little bit unclear. You can form your own conclusion, I'm sure. But the result will probably mean some individual investors will simply sell up and exit the market if indeed they can, whilst others will be deterred from entering in the first place. The second point is relating to the stamp duty surcharge, and this will impact pretty much anyone that already has one property, regardless of why, uh, why they will be buying another property, or whether they own it individually or through a company. It won't make any difference in this respect. However, it also sweeps up those buying their own home, if they also happen to own another property anywhere in the world. Those buying a property for their children, a holiday home or indeed an investment property. And the aim seems to be to reduce the demand for property other than through, uh, sorry, by homeowners. However, where will all the rent accommodation tenants go when all the buy-to-let sector starts to shrink? Who will build all the homes we need to plug the gap in, the hou in housing for all sectors and not just homeowners? To be honest, I'm not yet sure. And indeed, I doubt if the government is either. So what are our options then? Here's just a few ideas that I might suggest. The first one is basically join the fight to reverse Clause 24 by pledging support towards the campaign to secure a judicial review, which is the only realistic hope of reversing the law at this stage. And you can find out more of how to do this at the Crowd Justice website under the case Clause 24, and there's a link to that in the show notes as well. Second thing is we can review our existing portfolio to see how Clause 24 will affect us and indeed our current and future investments. And of course our overall tax position taking account of all income and not just rental income. I do strongly suggest you speak to a tax accountant about this though. Next we can consider paying down the debt. I mean, that might be easier said than done, but it's obviously something we might consider doing. Or indeed, we can look to sell uh, poor cash flowing properties. Keep in mind, though, that we will potentially pay capital gains tax on any, uh, on any profits uh, on any asset disposal. So keep that in mind, as I mentioned. Another idea is to pass on the increased cost. Now, this can come in the form of rental increases or indeed reduced offers on uh, investment purchases. This will of course hurt the tenants, and I'm sure it's not what the government intends to happen, but it is an inevitable outcome I certainly believe anyway. We may need to pass on the tax hike onto the tenants instead, whether we like to or not. And if we reduce our offers to, uh, for, you know, when we're buying property, this could lead to a cooling in the housing market as well. Let's hope this doesn't turn into a bit of a bust though, that would be another unintended consequence. So it could hurt tenants and it could hurt the housing market but it is an action that we could take. Next, we could consider our future investment strategy, looking at potentially higher income strategies will at least help to offset some of the impact of Clause 24, because we'll have more income to offset the, uh, or to, to, to absorb the tax hike, that, that's the point there. But as with uh, other strategies, look closely at the numbers before proceeding with your own particular project. And finally, look at uh, investing for a limited company, going forward as the changes, um, you know, limiting mortgage interest relief do not apply to companies and, and consider potentially transferring exi existing properties into a company, um, maybe directly or through a beneficial interest trust. Again, get some professional advice there here though I'd recommend.
And the final point here is to have some diversity in our portfolio. Clause 24 could literally wipe out a number of investors in certain situations, particularly those that refinanced regularly and are trapped by a high capital gains tax charge after set it, uh, settling any high mortgage redemption figure if they have managed to uh, refinance above the original purchase price, let's say. And the reason why they got trapped is that they, you know, worked the system fairly legitimately, but they worked the system in too narrow a way and so became vulnerable to such a change taking place. However, if we have a mixture of investments, some for capital growth, others for income, some with medium or higher loan to values, another with lower levels of, uh, of loan to value or even no debt at all, we can start to shield ourselves from some of these changes or indeed similar changes coming play, uh, taking place in the future. That's it really then, so just to summarise, we can fight it, review our position, reduce our exposure, pass on the tax hikes to our tenants and, uh, and sellers, adopt different strategies and tactics, and diversify to de-risk our position. Meanwhile, keep calm and carry on. <laughs> it's still all about running the numbers and doing your research, and if the deal still stacks up, then go ahead. We should have a professional approach to our property investing, and that's why there are a range of different approaches we can and indeed should adopt going forward, if we're not doing so already. So there you go then, I'm, uh, I'm feeling a little bit better now for having got that off my chest, <laughs> I can tell you that, and uh, perhaps I, I, I ranted on a little bit longer than I expected to in what should be a fairly bite-sized uh, soundbite episode, but um, yeah, it kind of got me going really, got my goat a bit this particular change, uh, as you might have gathered. So how about you? Um, let me have your thoughts and ideas and uh, on this subject, and as always, you can reach me, podcast at thepropertyvoice.net, drop me an email. And that's it for this week then, a soundbite episode with a slight rant at the illogical and as far as I'm concerned, unfair headwinds we are currently facing from the recent political changes. I'll be back next week with another soundbite episode, so I look forward to joining you uh, at that time. Meanwhile, you can always drop me a line, podcast at thepropertyvoice.net, and the show notes, as always, can be found at our website, thepropertyvoice.net. Meanwhile, and as always, thank you very much for joining me on the show again today. And until next time on the Property Voice podcast, it's ciao, ciao. Thank you for listening today. Now head over to thepropertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list. Join us next time on the Property Voice podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes.